Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. So, um, I just to like kick things off, uh, as you may know, it is a very special day. Dunkin' Donuts is 25 years old. No, I, I, so no, I don't even know if that's true. So it is Adam's birthday, and uh, congratulations, he is officially 39 years old. I'm not 39. How does it feel to be more than halfway through your life? <laughs> I don't know, Jake. <laughs> I don't know how that feels. He's still in awe. I don't. I don't actually feel old today. I felt old when Parker was born earlier this year. Well, that's because you hadn't slept in like forty-eight. That hours. had a lot to do with it. Yeah, but uh, now it's like oh, I have a kid, and I'm only thirty-four. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> I feel great. Yeah, I've, I've already been over like all the midlife crisis. Like my, you know, I'm I'm an old man now. I have a, I'm I'm over that. I don't now know. It's just now. It's just my birthday. I had ice cream cake over the weekend. You're never too old for ice cream cake. I went to work today. I sat in the room all by myself. I didn't really tell anyone it was my birthday. Nice. I came home. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Yeah, so we did... Um... Welcome to Making Luck a Dominion Podcast. Yeah, I'm welcome to Jacob. Making Luck. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh... last episode was on Son of Anto, yeah? Yeah, Son of Anto. So uh, we did have a couple of points that we wanted to uh, do a quick little sort of address and clean up. A um, couple of things I we... forgot. To yeah, talk about some stuff, and there were a couple of things we missed, and also something somebody pointed out. Like RTT uh, in the Discord pointed out, hey, one point is that uh, there are these cards that are usually like deck control neutral, and we're talking about cantrips like Pearl Diver, uh, maybe Pawns, stuff that cantrips that maybe low are low value, and you would just put them in your deck because why not? But in a Sonavanto deck. Um, you really need to be careful about that because they interrupt the Sonavanto chain because you can draw them instead of the Sauna off your Avanto. You can draw them instead of the Avanto off your Sauna, stuff like that. So these things that are normally deck control neutral become deck control negative. And then I thought, uh, Adam pointed out, that's not specific to cantrips. That's just any card that's not a Sauna or an Avanto. Like, yeah. uh, adding adding not Sonavanto to a Sonavanto deck uh, makes it worse, which is uh, why Sonavanto kind of has some long-term weaknesses. Um, Especially yeah. if you want to use it for villaginess. Yeah, right. That's where it gets hit the hardest. Because, like, the chaining, it, it really just gets you actions, right? I mean, I can yeah. have little mini-chains and play non-terminal Avantos, and that's cool. Yeah. But uh, if I want to get villaginess, then I have issues because I need to play all my Saunas and Avantos back-to-back, and the more I add stuff, anything that's not Sonarvan to my deck, the harder that becomes. Yeah, right. And uh, I did a video a while back on, like, when do cantrips hurt your deck? And I don't, like, directly mention Sonavanto as an example, but this is kind of one of those yeah. situations. Uh, and the same mindset is, like, when does having a quote-unquote nothing card actually hurt you? And, you know, Sonavanto is part of that, where you're trying to chain two cards and line them up together. Well, this makes it harder to do that. Mm. Uh, then, then the other point is something that uh, nobody asked, but I kind of meant to put in the episode because mm-hmm. it's like kind of a con- a common question. That yeah, I mean, a I've lot of people. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have asked this. Yeah. and it's uh, it goes like this: I have both a sauna and an Avanto in my hand. 
which one do I play first? And there are a couple things to look for. Yeah. First off, theme. You always get in your sauna before your Avanto, because clearly. Uh, yeah. No, but actually, so, like, this. I think the oh. answer to this is pretty simple, right? Uh, well, I mean, it, I just want to say what to look for. Yeah. Right? Uh, the first thing you look for is, do you have more copies of one of them in your hand already? And if that's the case, you play that one first, right? Because you're, you're guaranteed chain. If I have two saunas and one Avanto in hand, my I, I can guaranteed go sauna, Avanto, sauna. And if I play the Avanto first, I might have wasted a sauna play that I could have pre-pended onto that. So yeah. if I have more of one in hand, then yeah, play that one first. But more, let's li- say more, more likely and less obvious the case. Oh yeah, but let's say I have the same number, right? Uh, then I want to look for uh, which one is more plentiful in my draw pile, and I want to play that one first. So let's say uh, let's say I'm at the top of a shuffle to make it easy. I've got one sauna, one Avanto in my deck, but uh, in my hand. But in my deck, I have two saunas and only one Avanto. Yeah, and I want to play the sauna first because I'm more likely to find a sauna to continue the chain earlier on when I've drawn less cards off this chain. And then similar the other way. But let's say it's, you know, I'm halfway through a shuffle. Then I I usually only care about the cards in my draw pile because those are the ones that I'm going to be drawing immediately. But usually, I mean, you want to be playing all your other sources of draw um, or plus cards uh, first before you try and start your Sauna Avanto chain. Because then you're reaching deeper into your deck to find more Saunas or Avantos to continue the chain. And again, all this is just for the purpose of getting more actions. Yeah, I mean, the you can really easily answer this question, which one do I play first for yourself, by understanding that the goal is to chain them, and just thinking about what makes it most likely that I chain them. Um, and, yep. you know, that answers the question for you, but it is a question a lot of people have, uh, so you're welcome. Yeah, so, it's not <laughs> obvious that you can get a little advantage out of it. Yeah. Kind of like most yeah. of Dominion. Yeah. Finding little ways to sneak out those extra percentage points is what separates the good players from the other good players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, like, you know, those little advantages, it's interesting, because, like, there are a lot of things, um, like, there are things where you can play as well as you possibly can and still lose, but as long as you can look back at your play if you can look back at your play and find any tiny little advantage that you could have gotten and didn't uh you can't complain about losing that's right and even if you can't find it you can't complain because you just weren't looking hard enough sure yeah that's true too yeah but like uh those little little tiny optimizations like that are what help you what helped me get away from the tilt uh, when I lose to something that was kind of like BS, I felt like because like I can always come back to if I can find at least one thing, just any tiny little thing that I could have like played a little bit better, then I have nobody but myself to blame for losing. You but make I, your own shuffle luck. Yeah. So since it's my birthday today, yeah, yeah, our episode is going to be about my favorite card, happy, Steward. Happy thirty ninth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's my favorite card, and I thought we'd talk for the entire episode about Steward, because we can definitely fill an entire episode with that, yeah. and whatever vapid commentary we have. So let's get started by talking yeah. about this kingdom from All last right. week. Which doesn't have Steward, it but does it does have Sonavanto. By yeah. the way, the episode is actually about Horn of Plenty. No, FYI. It's, it's about Steward. So anyway. And Steward, yeah. Uh, uh, so. Let's, let's read the kingdom cards. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it. You sure? We have 
Encampment. Happy bur- oh, ha- Encampment. Merchant. Yeah. Watchtower. Hideout. Jack of all trades. Sauna. Relic. Soothsayer. Treasury. Grand Market. We also have Inheritance. And Canal. One more time for our audio-only listeners. Encampment with Plunder. Merchant. Watchtower. Hideout. Jack of all trades. Sauna with Avanto. Relic. Soothsayer. Treasury. Grand Market. We have Inheritance. And Canal. Yeah. So, this kingdom, uh, I think that, like, we both... Uh, we chose this kingdom because it wasn't immediately obvious that you go for Sonavanto. And hey, I'm gonna give us some props. You don't go for Sonavanto here. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's a good way to lose. Uh, I mean, just, it's a good way to just here. have a less good deck. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's so incredibly bad that you're going to lose if you go for it. Yeah. But right. I, I just think that uh, when it comes down to it, Hideout is just a better card for the deck than Sauna. Mm hmm. And uh, the thing is, the Avantos are pretty good, but you've had to put this worst card in your deck in the meantime, and like the, the you're revealing, can buy the yeah, you're revealing too. the Avantos for the opponent too. So like, it's not like a really good idea to buy Santos. Santos. Yeah, it comes into like uh, the a lot of the time you see this kingdom where fortune is really good, but uh, who's ever going to buy the Gladiators? Because Gladiator is so often like a much worse card for both decks than the Fortunes would be. So why are you helping both of you? Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, I think that, I mean, that was the main <clears throat> thrust of what we mostly agreed on last time, is that Sauna's not super worth it. And yeah. just going for Sauna and seeing uh, the dynamic, actually, the Avantos never even came up, because you don't even want that many Saunas. But, like, yeah. you know, most decks you build here... Comes up against the bot. The oh. bot, the bot beelines Sauna Vanta. Oh, yeah? Sometimes, yeah. That sounds, like, fun to play. Yeah, you, you get some, well, it, it is, because you have Avantos in your deck. Because the bot bought all the saunas for you. Sounds pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, But really, really hideout matters. Uh, it's a lot. First of all, you're guaranteed to trash instead of hoping to line up with a silver. Yeah. So a lot of times I found myself like top decking a silver when I didn't really want to do that just so I could collide sauna silver. Because like, I had a watchtower and I knew my sauna was coming up, so top deck a silver. Yeah. Uh, okay. But like, that's really bad. Because I don't want to be top decking silver, I'd rather be like getting more hideouts and thinning my cards. Uh, the fact that hideout isn't that good at thinning estates just tends to not be super important here, because uh, it has such a good synergy with Watchtower, where you're shoving both those cards in a deck. So if you really want to trash an estate with hideout, chances are you might have a Watchtower in hand. Just trash the curse anyway. Sure. So the hideout can trash the estate pretty well. Or maybe you went for the jack route, or maybe you went for the inheritance route, and both of those are fine ways of dealing with estates, too. Yeah, so I want to uh, point out here, like, um, if you recall, I, at the end, uh, asked both uh, Ryan and Adam to close their eyes while I took them on a journey through the build that I was advocating. Yeah, um, and then I wanted to not go on this journey very quickly. But, uh, okay, so I said, uh, Adam advocated getting a Jake of all trades early on. Um, and I said, you know, maybe not. And uh, I want to open Silver Watchtower. And I don't know if I remember if I said that at the time, but it is the conclusion I came to later on. So my build, I open Silver Watchtower, um, and my first five is the Soothsayer. Um, with Civil Watchtower with the goal of getting a Soothsayer 
on turns four or five, and then um, making sure that, and then buying encampments with my spare buys, and basically getting inheritance as soon as I can and inheriting the encampments. And by the way, inheritance is actually pretty easy to get because you have gold in your deck. Whenever you have gold in your deck early on, inheritance is very accessible for you because gold is quite good at spiking price points. Um, the other great thing about that build is that if you uh, play a Soothsayer and you have a Watchtower in hand, you can top deck a gold and you can probably buy an encampment or an estate, depending where you are, and top deck that too. Uh, so there is a decent chance you're keeping these encampments that you've bought. You may or may not do it uh, because you've got the golds in the deck, but really this just revolves around and, uh, you know having one hideout and a soothsayer and some encampments and just you know rushing those down from there. You get a grand market for the buy, and it's just we come to a similar then, place. Yeah, then you start doing stuff. Yeah, we come to a similar place where gold is the main payload, I think. Uh, Golden Grand Market. Yeah. Golden Grand Markets are the main payload. Um, we usually have a canal or a canal, you know. I at least want to try it. One of the two. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, the only thing I didn't grab there was the blenders. Not the only thing, but yeah. Um. So, I mean, let me just start off by saying that I, uh, I thought that was ridiculous. And while I think there are things that you can do to improve on what Jake said, which I'll talk about. Um, I originally thought it was garbage, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of very good Dominion players on the Discord were saying that uh, this was garbage, and that it should lose to just about anything, and you're guaranteed to lose. And um, I want to say that this was a lot better than I think most people gave it credit for. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I will go out and... S- I will come to... I will say that the build I'm describing is at least competitive with the best build that you can do here. You can definitely win games. It may well be the best build. There's some disagreement because there's another build that's quite good, um, which... And it's like, it's kind of hard to say because, like... There's a lot of variants. Both of these builds can high roll super well by hitting early inheritance with a state still in the deck, uh, even if you're not planning on it. Uh, Even if you open jack and trash, like, one or zero estate sometimes, like, you can still high roll and hit an inheritance that way. Yeah. Or uh, they can both fail, right, and and not accomplish anything. So it's really hard to say, like, you know, you arrive at some place and maybe you did well and maybe you didn't, but, like, I've played so many games with this kingdom, and all I can really tell you is that I think it's close, and I prefer my opening, but, I mean, I'm not going to say that what Jake is advocating is garbage, because I don't think it is. I think you yeah. can win games with it. I think it's going to win as often as it loses. Um, I mean, roughly the same yeah. amount, sure. Like I do think that there are things that you can do to improve sure. what you described. Yeah, so okay. I so think, I think you prioritize um, getting a soothsayer a little, or early a little much. Uh, I, I found... Think, so you, you're I th- had success with getting hideouts on five. Okay, so you're saying... You're not saying you would get it earlier than I would. You're saying, like you would actually, that I, uh, you're, you see me taking it too early. Yeah, like on turn three or four, I would be getting hideout on five instead of Soothsayer in some cases. Interesting. So I would get like two to three hideouts, maybe two watchtowers. Uh, I would not really be buying encampments unless I had exactly two. And I would, uh, I mean, I would make sure I hit five once at one point, but then I'm like spamming the Soothsayer, 
getting one or two golds in the deck. And then I hit Inheritance, and then those Estate Encampments have a really good shot of staying in my deck, because I'm much thinner at that point. Yeah. And I have probably two golds in the deck. I also have two Watchtowers, so it helps me to line up my business in case yeah. I want to be top-decking Estates when I know it's okay, or um, top-decking Golds when I know I need to do that to my Soothsayer player or whatever like that. Well, yeah. And also it helps me get uh, to Grand Market. Uh, once I have inherited, it's very likely that my next turn will be a Grand Market turn, and then the turn of that is two Grand Markets, and then like I'm just ready to go, right? So this you may true. not get to inheritance quite as fast, but your deck is better uh, equipped to deal with the inheritance once it comes, which uh, matters a little, you know, the turn or two after you inherit. And also, it uh, most of the time it shores up those potential low rolls, where sometimes yeah. you just don't hit seven; you hit a bunch of six. Well, if you thin your deck a little more aggressively, I think you, um, you know, you're just upping your chances of hitting Inheritance by, like, turn 10 at the latest, maybe turn 11, also mitigating the effect of potential attacks that your opponent plays on you, which can be a big deal, especially that Soothsayer. Yeah, so um, I will say a couple of things. One, um, I think I think uh, you are still thinking that the Soothsayer is a bigger deal than I am, the attack part. Yeah. Um, I do think that the attack hurts, especially because the build I'm advocating um, struggles to get its second hideout, because uh, I'm advocating... So you get a Soothsayer first. Yeah, I'm getting the Soothsayer first, and I'm also like buying encampments, because I really want that uh, inheritance ASAP, and I'm, but the result of that is I'm getting it by um, turn 9 at the latest. Uh, usually it's turn 7 to 9. I don't think it's turn 9 at the latest. Uh, it has been in the fact if I have I'm pretty maybe sure maybe against that, a bot like no I'm we saying played like, two games and you got it on turn ten once I thought I don't think so I played I like know. four games with Wandering Winder and it happened on turn ten a couple times but uh, like the I'm attack matters sure. I mean we can maybe I need to watch this videos but I'm pretty sure against the bot I never got it late uh, later than turn nine and if I did it was because super low roll uh, and it's like unusual um, and the uh, like, I got it on turn uh, four one time. That one doesn't count, though, because it was just, like... <laughs> I played a Watchtower and drew, like, silver and four coppers. Or five, five coppers, yeah. Uh, that was cool. But, yeah, like, usually... I mean, like, you can get it on turn six if things are optimal. Uh, and, like, you didn't get the... Things are, like, optimal, but not, like, the crazy draw. Uh, well, yeah, where... I'm giving up some high roll potential by going sure. for more thinning early on. I this think is... it's worth it to do. Yeah, so that's just the question is, like how worth it is it um and it's kind of hard to say um i will say that i definitely would have liked to have a hideout earlier than i can get it but and it's not that i don't think the hideout the second hideout is good to have um it's that i felt that the priorities were elsewhere i felt that uh usually getting that first grand market is really important because you need the extra games uh and then you know at that point how how often is Grand Market... Uh, how often is getting the second hideout better than just getting uh, Grand Market? I did not have a problem with losing encampments or estates. I maybe lose an encampment early on, but I often don't as well because you've got the golds from Soothsayer. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't... I would need to play it out a little more to see if what you're saying is like an objective improvement over what I'm doing. Don't worry. I did that work for you. I think it's pretty clear that it makes it better. 
I think that you were just talking about different... I think, like, we just have different visions for the deck. Yeah, speaking of different visions for the deck, I still like opening Jack. Yeah, so let's talk about... Let's, let's elaborate a little more on your build. So, I originally said you open Jack Silver, you get a Relic as your first five. Um, I've moved away from that. It turns out um, Watchtower's a really good card for this deck, and that's because of the synergy with Hideout. I mean, you want a lot of Hideouts. You want, like, two or three super early. Yeah. And uh, Watchtower is really great with Hideout because it synergizes. Hideout decreases hand size. Draw to X great. No, um. uh, Hideout <laughs> reduces your hand size, and Watchtower can uh, make that downside hurt a lot less. And also, it uh, helps you with uh, trashing estates because you can trash incoming curses if you trash an estate to Hideout. Yeah. Uh, this so, is assuming you're not going to get inheritance. Uh, well, I'm not going to plan on getting inheritance. Sometimes I do it anyway. Like if I sometimes I hit seven, mm-hmm. and I've still got two estates in my deck. And if that's the case, I'm gonna get inheritance. And and I think you always inherit encampment here. I think that's just way too good to not do. Yeah, I experimented a little bit with inheriting sauna instead. Yeah, it's experiments um, not on the board though. So. Yeah, right. Um, but I, I tried out ex- uh, inheriting sauna a little bit. Uh, I think I did inheriting merchant one time and never again. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I would say that Encampment seems like, by and large, the best inheritance target, even, like, in the best situation for something else. Yeah. So, um, I think the Relic is a lot less good because Watchtower is so good, and normally, if your opponent has some Watchtowers, the Relic just doesn't seem like it matters as much. Also, um, it's less good because I really want to be getting Hideouts on 5 over, like... Relic or Soothsayer to begin with, just so I can thin my deck and then play the attack a little bit more often a little bit later. Uh, eventually I get a Soothsayer. Um, if I hit an early 7 with Coppers, I'll get a Canal, but you know, from there it's just kind of thinning, getting Grand Markets and adding gold to the deck. I like this build. Uh, oh, I actually ended up opening Jack Watchtower, which I think is roughly about as good as Jack Silver. It's different, whatever. How'd you open... Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I spent 4 on the Jack. Yeah, I'm sorry. Then, I, th- yeah. I thought you meant Jack Hideout, yeah. Uh, that would be pretty busted. Uh, yeah, I was going to be like, wait, you can do that? I want to do that. Yeah, that but seems yeah, no, great. Yeah. can't do that. Okay, so yeah, uh, that's this board. We come away from it with a bit of a split opinion, but not as in like we disagree super hard split opinion, as in like it's just, it's close. these board. yeah, these builds seem both competitive. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to thank everyone who gave feedback on this i mean we, yeah. we heard from a number of people about this kingdom it was a little divisive and i think that's because jake you advocated for something that seemed questionable See, like, and then it wasn't i don't know why it seemed questionable is the thing like because you weren't opening jack and it was right there that's true and jack like, all trades is great right it can be for sure yep when you get on uh turn one or turn two yeah super great uh so anyway uh, that was, huh? Yeah, let's talk about yeah. Steward. Yeah, let's talk about Steward. So I love that card. Our right, good episode. So let's talk about Horn of Plenty. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Horn of Plenty um, is the card that we're gonna be spending some time talking about. You and, wanna read uh, it? Yeah, it's a treasure from the Cornucopia expansion, and it costs five. And it gives you zero dollars. OP. Uh, so, and then it has this text. When you play this, gain a card costing up to one dollar per differently named card you have in play. Counting the horn. If you gain a victory card, trash the horn. 
So you play the horn, and then you count the number of uniquely named cards you have in play, uh, including the horn, and then you get to gain a card. It's a gainer. Uh, and the card you gain can cost up to the number of those uniquely named cards, but if you gain a victory card, the horn dies. Rip horn. With her on there now. So I, I want to say that uh, you and I both had the same thing in our outline, <laughs> which is uh, when we first started playing Dominion, or like early on, we read this as like, oh, this is a $5 treasure that has zero, and then there's some <laughs> bottom text. I don't want to read that, it's making my brain hurt. And then uh, we just didn't, and we skipped horn, and we lost a lot of games, both of us, because... Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I thought the point of treasures was to give me money, but this makes me zero money dollars. Like, <laughs> what is this? Okay, so, uh, it's and also... And then I got tired of losing games, and I figured out what it did. And, and then you read the card. Yeah. And it turns out reading cards is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of like Hunting Party, uh, in that, like... <laughs> And no, then no, it's no. a gainer, and it's a treasure. No, 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 in that, like, it's got this, like, top text that seems underwhelming, and then it's got this bottom text that's, like, complicated and obtuse to understand, um, and uh, it turns out that that bottom text is actually really powerful, and it's where the card, like, really comes to life. Uh, yeah, man. So, so uh, what does this thing do? Well, it's a gainer. It gains cards, Yeah, uh, obviously. It gains, it's a... Uh, it gains cards, and notably, it can gain almost any card in the game. Mm -hmm. There's only like a few cards, like debt cards and potion cards, that it yeah. can't get. There's only uh, I can only think of one other card that you can say this about um, because like unbounded coin gaining potential. Yeah, yeah, it's it doesn't like name a card that you gain, and it doesn't uh, cap out the cost, and that's artificer. Um, yeah, and uh, if I'm forgetting any, forgive me, but. Um, but, like, this is way easier to support with than Artificer, uh, in terms of, like, gaining, like, really expensive cards or whatever card you want, just because, like, it's, it's easier to do this. So, like, the fact that this has, like, unbounded gaining means a few things. Uh, three things, like, pop out at me, uh, it, main implications. Yeah. Uh, one, it could gain provinces. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of gainers, they help you build your deck. And then they suck when it comes to greening. Like, yeah. the best of the best can gain you duchies. Yeah. And those are duchies, not right. provinces. Exactly. Um, duchies are duchies. The hard-hitting commentary of making luck. Yeah. A in, Dominion podcast. In most games, duchies are worth three points. But in yeah. most games, provinces are worth six. Yeah. It's um, pretty sick. Also, they went in the game. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. the, the second thing that really pops out to me about Horn of Plenty is that because, again, of this... Uh, unbounded price point that it can gain um it really puts a lot of pile pressure on the kingdom um like no pile is really safe so when you're tracking your opponent's potential gains to try to avoid a pile out it's not like most gainers where certain piles are just like not something you have to worry about mm. horn of plenty can draw from any pile so anything that gets low is fair game so you have to be a lot more cognizant of uh potential sneaky pilots that your opponent might pull uh, if you're not careful. Sure, and, and just uh, for for you people that have been, like, festering this entire time, you're like, but Remodel can gain provinces! But, like, you have to trash a good card from your deck. Anyway, continue. Okay, that's fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I think you put in your outline, like, there are other cards that, that can literally gain provinces, but they have to trash cards from your deck to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's not what I this mean. Doesn't... Like, Horn can well, just, like... Horn trash itself, but whatever. That, yeah, it's different, right? And we'll... 
yeah. into it. Yes. Third so thing, jumping the, out. Go. The third like jump out thing uh, with Horn as a gainer is that it is non-terminal because it's mm. a treasure. So like this is some of the why behind what I mentioned earlier about the pile pressure. Uh, on the one hand, uh, you can it can gain any card, but also this is a spammable card as long as you can draw it. Uh, so like you don't need as much village support or really just as much support in general to uh, be able to gain a lot of cards with Horn, um, and to be able to gain cards that you know enough to end the game even uh, because or just really good cards for your deck that cost a lot. Yeah. Because this, this this is a card that you can just play a lot of without putting villages in the deck to support it, or that you can play other terminals around. You can draw it dead and still play it. So, yeah, man. Uh, yeah this is a card that has the upside say, is huge. I would say right. this card has a on most kingdoms. This card like has a presence. Like there are very few cards, very few kingdoms where the Horn of Plenty doesn't like if it doesn't outright centralize my build it at least has something to do with it. It has like yeah. some impact on how I'm building my deck because it's out. It's like, if you ignore it, you might lose because the upside is so big. Yeah. Right. So if you can get the most out of this, you're going to do some great things. Speaking of presence, I have a funny story. Okay. So there's this uh, there's a new hire at work who is uh, you know working with me on a, on a program, and uh, the topic of Dominion came up, mm-hmm. and uh, he... Um, He's like, oh, I have some friends that play Dominion, so I gave him my Dominion business cards, and he was he emailed his <laughs> friends, and he, he sent me an email later in the day that's like, uh, so yeah, I, I talked to my Dominion friends about it, and they're really excited when I told them that my manager was the world champion of Dominion, and I was like, the wow, former world your, yeah. your manager? <laughs> like, I'm, the, I'm not a manager, like, I'm still technical, and I want to stay technical for quite some yeah. time. I don't, I don't want to be a, a manager, I don't want to use the M word, but I guess... I just have such a presence that... Yeah, there uh, we go. Okay, yeah. Great, yeah. yeah. Also, Adam is the former world champion. I'm the... You know what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I... I just like... F*** you, man. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, yeah, uh, like so to... we... There's a huge upside to Horn of Plenty. Yeah. And uh, we want to get the most out of it. But, like, what does it look like when Horn of Plenty succeeds? Like, the Horn of Plenty deck from yeah. really far away... What does it look like? Well, so usually, and not always, but we'll, we'll we'll get to the not always, but usually when I think Horn of Plenty, I'm thinking Megaturn, right? And uh, we did an, a whole episode on Megaturns, mm. um, so I'm just going to throw that term around, and if you want more clarification, I refer you to that episode. But yeah, like, we'll link it in the description, show notes. TLDR, uh, basically one really big turn that like almost, pretty much effectively wins you the game. That, uh, that turn with Horn of Plenty, uh, the basic Miles Up roadmap is that you are uh, building a deck that has a lot of control, you are drawing a lot of cards and playing a lot of cards, and then uh, you get some Horn of Plenties, use those Horn of Plenties to gain more Horn of Plenties and more draw cards, and then eventually you have this turn because you're drawing a bunch of playing a bunch of horns, that you've got eight uniques in play and a bunch of horns, and you pop those horns to gain a bunch of provinces, end the game in one fell swoop. <laughs> Yeah, so like this has the potential to get all the provinces in one turn. That's the the potential. Like you, you could do it. I've done it before. And that and is it a feels gi- great. That's a gigantic generalization. Like as in, it's usually more complicated than that. It gets messier. But um, I, we, it's worth talking about like the generic roadmap. So when we deviate from it, we know what we're deviating from. Yeah, and I remember when I was reading the card and trying to figure it out, like, I, I was thinking to myself, like, wait a second, why, why am I buying these 
horn of plenty is when I could just be buying the provinces. I mean, yeah, the horn costs five, but then later I have to play it with a bunch of uniques. So, like, is that really the only upside? But the horn is really good in this deck because along the way it's gaining you more stuff. Yeah. And that stuff... Like, if you play a province, it doesn't gain you another province. Well, right. So, I mean, the, the horn... horn is gaining horns. The horn can provinces. gain you more horns, but it can also gain you more deck control or, mm -hmm. or just more more stuff it, yeah. it gains you that more more stuff along the way so that your deck is accelerating as it gets to the potential point where okay maybe eventually you can get all the provinces and that's why it's good to build the deck this way for sure but along the way like i get my first horn yeah and let's say i gain another horn with that and then now these two horns i uh, used to gain deck control cards and then i have more horns and they're getting me more deck control cards and more and more stuff Right, and that's why Horn of Plenty is good. It's a gainer. It's it's a payload yeah. card. So you know you balance that with more horns as payload, meaning more deck control to support continuing to draw that. But the point is, it's helping you along the way. There, it's not only gaining you the provinces. It's gaining you stuff along the way. That yeah. was the big point that I didn't understand. And I want to like really highlight something and circle it and put it in bold as like a big. Comic Sans? I, yeah. As a big, like, takeaway from this, um, we're going to be talking about, like, timing and, and build path for the Horn of Plenty deck, but I just want to give a huge asterisk that the biggest mistake, I think, that I see people make on boards with Horn of Plenty is that they tend to take their first one or two horns too late. Um, as in, like, we were talking about this generic roadmap, and I talked about, like, getting a bunch of stuff and drawing a bunch and then, then getting your horn. Um, bear in mind... <laughs> it's not exactly the order you want to do it all the time. Yeah, the once the horn... Like, Workshop is a pretty good card, right? I and, love like, Workshop. A lot of the time you put that in the deck because it gains cards, um, even if those cards don't cost five yet. And once you can gain fivers with the horn of plenty, it gets to be really good. So, like, it's just... The thing is, like, don't... Just because Horn of Plenty, like, your endgame vision is to be gaining provinces with it, don't think that that's all that it can be doing for you. A lot of the time, it is the most efficient way to be building that deck in the meantime, so don't be afraid to take your first one or two Horn of Plenties early on, especially later in the episode when we get to talking about mirrors of this. Uh, but, like, definitely uh, be willing to take those before maybe you're drawing your whole deck. For sure, like, like when you when you're looking at hashtag normal dominion, yeah. or you know, the, the just the generic roadmap of mm -hmm. what are my priorities at certain points of the game. You know, there's that list of like I think it's six things that I've talked about in previous episodes in the video tutorial. Yeah. Thing number one is thinning and junking. That's what I care about the most early on, right? Yeah. But the second thing is gaining, and that comes before draw. Draw is number yeah. three on that priority list. So it's it's gainers before a draw, and obviously there are exceptions and, and little ways that you can uh, optimize by kind of blurring the lines here, but but really, once I've thought about thinning and junking, the card I want to add to my deck is Horn of Plenty. And, yeah. and yes, there's a little bit of a gray area here, because the potential of like the, the terrible, awful draw with your horn is like, oh, I drew two horns and two coppers and an estate, and... 
this horn sucks this turn. Like, I can't. I, that's kind of unlikely. Oh, I mean, that, I would say thin enough that, that I would say happen, in that if like, that if you draw that hand, you probably took the horn too early. Right. So but you know, don't do don't do that. Don't take it so early that that's going to happen to you. But like, it, even like if it's like gaining three costs, that can a lot of the time be good. Like, sure. Four costs it usually is good. Like usually you get four a is more than something. three. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm talking yeah, just like thresholds of price points. And you, and you know what's even more than four? Fifty-five. Five, yeah. Yep. So, like, yeah, I mean, once you get to the point where Horn is getting five cards, five costs, it's nuts. And even before that, it's, it's pretty good, so don't be afraid to take them early. Uh, yeah, so, like, even though it is payload, uh, you know, you prioritize it with the gainers, and, uh, you know, even though it works best in a deck that draws itself, Horn gaining your stuff can help you draw the deck. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's why it ends up that way, and, and so it follows that, you know, the biggest form of support that I want for a deck that uses Horn of Plenty as its, you know, a, a big cornerstone of its payload, is deck control. Yeah, for sure. And now specifically, draw. Yeah. Yeah, so here's where I want to kind of split the discussion into two halves. Um, the first half, I want to talk about a sort of uh, theoretical Horn of Plenty deck that, like, you'd either build if you're, like, not being mirrored or, like, you're playing against the bot or something. I want to talk, and, like, we're going to come into that, like, generic roadmap of the Horn of Plenty deck. Now, I do want to put a huge asterisk by what we're about to talk about in that it's usually messier than this, which we'll get into the, the hows of that later on, but I want to talk about how it could work so that you end up knowing how it does work later on and you know, like... Before we deviate from uh, the generic Horn of Plenty roadmap, we need to know what we're deviating from. So, like, how, uh, what, what could happen to the Horn of Plenty's if they like go completely uncontested and unmirrored? Uh, yeah, and that uh, that matters. Yeah, a lot. I mean, like, typically on in a game of Dominion, I am usually going to assume that I am going to be mirrored because I am going for the strategy that I think is best. And I also think that I'm also not banking on my opponent making a mistake. And usually, I'd say if they're not going for the strategy I think is best, they're making a mistake. So usually I'm assuming I am being mirrored, but like in this case, I'm going to assume we're not just for the sake of discussion. Uh, I mean, just for the sake of discussion, okay, so when I said this matters, and we're, we're prepared to go on this tangent right here, because I think it's actually interesting, because uh, it's a little bit of the why mm -hmm. behind why it matters, I guess. So, in a two-player game, generally the default assumption is that you're not going to be mirrored. And the reason is because if my opponent uh, is going to play a deck that's better than the thing I want to do, then I'm going to have access to all the components I need. If there's something out there better than Horn, and I want to play Horn, then uh, I'm going to have access to all the Horns. Right? I can get all of them, and you know, theoretically I can get the whatever support I need for Horn, Provided that you know something else isn't going to be contested that that matters, but I don't. That's a different discussion. So in a, in a two-player game, if that's good enough, the uncontested de horn deck is good enough. Then if my opponent goes for something else, they're going to lose, and so their only recourse is to contest me in some way. And normally that means playing the same deck, and so you're being mirrored, right? But I started from the assumption that I'm not going to be contested because the power level of that deck uncontested is what matters. So even if the deck totally sucks when I'm being mirrored, even if it's worse than big money when being mirrored, sure, that still means you need to play it. 
Because uncontested, it was better than anything else. Yeah, the thing is, I think we end up saying the same thing, except, like, it sounds like I'm saying the opposite. Because I'm usually assuming I am being contested, but, like, we, we're ending up coming to the, like, the same conclusions of I mean, what you actually do. A lot of games I but, end up being contested, right? Yeah. And and I think that's more of what you're saying, but I, I guess I enter with that skeptical mindset. Like, I will decide I'm being yeah, contested okay. when I see my component, so, uh, opponent contesting me. Yeah. For the record, me talking about assuming I'm being contested, that kind of just applies to, like, talking about Dominion and theorizing. Like... <laughs> In the process of actually playing, of course I need to, like, keep my first few turns flexible and then react to what my opponent is doing. That's 100% the case. Right. Um, I just think it's funny that you hate three-player Dominion so much, but this idea that you're assessing uh, if, oh, I'm going to be contested, and so I'm going to think about this building this deck as though I'm contested, that actually matters a lot more in games with more than two players. Because Uh, now I I can be contested with this good deck, and when it's contested, it's worth in big money. And then Joe Schmo, player three over there, is just playing big money and he wins games. He's just playing normal Dominion. Yeah, no. <laughs> just normal uh, Dominion. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, and that's fair enough. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to give you some radio silence when you start talking about three-player Dominion. Cause, <laughs> not because, like, I have, like, some kind of uh, contempt for it. But I, just, I mean, he does, but that's not why he's giving you I don't know what I'm talking about if I start talking about multiplayer. So... That's, that's in the mythical future yeah. uh, multiplayer Dominion episode. But, yeah. but anyway, that that was a nice tangent. So yeah, Horn of Plenty deck. Go. Yeah, so, okay, the Horn of Plenty uh, deck in a vacuum, uncontested. Um, we know that we're going to need eight unique cards, right? Uh, because the idea is that we're going to be gaining provinces with our Horn of Plenties. So you should probably check, like, before make you sure go for the, the deck. the kingdom has eight cards in it. The eight cards you can play on the same turn? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get there and be like, oh, whoops. I can only play six cards. Copper, silver, gold, horn, smithy. (laughs) Woo! That was only five, but you get the point. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that kingdom is kind of rare uh, that you're talking about. But you should check anyway. Yeah, okay. Okay, So don't do that. Don't blindly get to start building the horn deck without thinking about... It's like, I built this great deck that draws itself. Okay, where's the plus buy? (laughs) So, okay. Uh, So we're looking at at getting eight unique cards in play... And uh, we talked a little bit about this when we talked about the magic lamp, uh, but like typically that means you're going to need to draw some cards. Yeah. Yeah. One of everything strats is good when you can. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Um, like you need you need to have a bunch of unique cards in play, um, and in the meantime, you want your horns to be getting value and getting good stuff. So you need to be ga- drawing eight plus eight cards, thereabouts. Plus the horns, which are stock cards. So like that's a lot of draw. So like you need you need draw. Yeah. Okay, that's that's, that's important. Like deck controls the good synergy for horn, but particularly draw. If you're not increasing your hand size, you can draw multiple horns after all this is done. Yeah, I mean like that's the big enabler for horn. Can a horn of plenty sort of mega turn deck be enabled without increasing your effective hand size? It can. Um, it's a uh, lot yeah. harder. And, and I like, wouldn't call it a mega turn deck at that point. Well, yeah, it depends. I mean, you can play it that way, but it, it's going to depend. Like you, things you, like yeah, it's hard to gain eight provinces when you need yeah. eight horns in your hand and you can't get your hand size past five. Okay, right? yeah, sure. So like, I mean, maybe I could play like a warehouse, and I'll yeah. get I'll get four of them this turn, and then four of them next turn. Uh, yeah, that works. So like, 
typically, like, Adam's definition of draw that he's gone into in the past, like, increasing hand size without decreasing actions, like, that's that's typically what we're looking for with Horn. But um, you can get a lot of value uh, with enabling a Horn deck out of other... Like just plus cards. Play, this. Play that smithy at. kicker at the end. Well, yeah, draw yeah. Them horns. <laughs> right. Do it, man. So like the turn. Yeah, the the fact that the horns aren't actions, you can draw them dead. But I'm also thinking about like cantrips. So like those help too, because they're uh, deck I mean, control they, neutral and they're a unique card. That you they help, but at the end of the day, horns are stop cards, and you want to be drawing more than five. Yeah, yeah. So like if you're gonna be like doing the horn thing and like really trying to enable it with cantrips, like, you better have some good thinning, and also it's going to be hard to do. And you need to have a plan to actually win the game. Yeah. Uh, so typically we're also looking for villages when we're enabling horns, because uh, we are talking about draw, we're talking about getting a lot of cards in play, hopefully your mind is saying, oh, it sounds like I need a village. Um, well, so here's here's the thing about that. Like, horn doesn't directly require a village, but it's, uh, but it's it can, softer quite. But it can indirectly yeah. require a village in a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Number one, some draw requires village support. Right? If the only way for me to increase my hand size is smithy, then I'm going to need a village, right, if I'm going to play multiple smithies. And that that's all baked into the definition of draw. Yeah. Sometimes sure. you need the village as part of your draw package. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times, I need villages just to play multiple terminals because I need unique cards in play. Mm-hmm. I can play ten labs... And I can play my copper, silver, gold, and my horn. And I got five cards. Yeah. And I can play a terminal, and that's six. And without a village, I'm looking for more treasures or maybe more non-terminals, right? So sometimes you need the village to help you play more cards, too. Yeah. And that's an indirect requirement. But, like, horn really just wants draw. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can look at a kingdom yourself and get a feel for how many cards you can get in play. But uh, these are just some things to be thinking about is like really with a horn enabling a horn deck without draws really hard and enabling a horn deck without a village can be hard so sure just be thinking about these things yeah um in the process of this how many horns do we need on our big turn when we are quote-unquote going for it we're we're gonna have our big turn where we're scoring most if not all of our points um i'm gonna say that the number is usually we're looking at having horns in our deck equal to the number of provinces left because we'd really like to be ending the game when we fire off. And, like, it's more important to do that with, like, a big horn and plenty deck than it is with, like, other decks, even other mega turn decks. Yeah, like, horn... I mean, it does play nice with other forms of payload, right? Mm-hmm. I can have money and buys on top of my horns, and that's great. Uh, but at the same time, uh, horn is very good payload. Yeah. And so you'll frequently find yourself uh, deprioritizing other forms of payload just to be doing more things with horn. And so what you don't want to do is blow your load on horns. Yeah, cashing in too early is kind of dead. And, and you, you <laughs> just don't want to be left with a deck that doesn't do a lot. Can't close the game out. Exactly. Because it doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, Unless you manage to get 50% of the VP, but then you're effectively ending the game anyway. Yeah, right? okay, so, like, we're, I, I want to look at, there are two, um, like, ways that you win the game. Uh, like, literally win the game on a turn. One is, l- like, ending the game while you have more points. The other is getting 50% of the VP so that the opponent can't catch up even if they have infinite time. 
Um, right. If you're not doing one of those two things, you need to think very carefully about uh, cashing in on your horns because uh, remember that if you have to keep playing this deck, like the horn deck gets way, way, way worse once it starts greening. One, it is reliant on deck control, um, and so putting the stop cards in sucks. Two, it's like losing one of its best cards because the horns die. So it's not just that you put a bad card in the deck, you replaced a good card with a bad card. So like, if you normally, um, in a game of Dominion, if you can have this turn where you gain five provinces all in one go, like that's an effective game win. But in a Horn of Plenty deck, um, a lot of the time, like doing that just castrates the deck, and you can't like do anything else from that point. So maybe the opponent can get those remaining three provinces and enough duchies to win. So like, if you can't close the game out, you really can't be doing that. So like, really, uh, you're, you're wanting to end the game on your turn, or at least make it so your opponent cannot physically win. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this kind of concept applies for many other decks. You know, have a plan to actually win the game. Yeah. As opposed to do a good thing and then hope it's good enough to win. Um, but I think it's just very direct and a lot more extreme in a Horn of Plenty deck. Because you you are just cashing in your entire payload for points. Uh, yeah. And, and it's very easy to, uh, if you don't end the game that way, just be gimped. So, there are definitely boards where what we've just described is true. However, what we've also just described is... Again, a vacuum case where your only payload was the horn, and it's actually really rare that you're going to have seven unique cards that aren't, and none of which are payload, and none of which might help you also get provinces. So this is where we talked about muddying the waters a little bit. It's where it gets kind of complicated, and um, it's also what determines how important it is or isn't to do all of your scoring at once, like we just described. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really strong way to build your deck to just continue accelerating and play towards the mega turn, right? Yeah. So I'm going to, if I can do that, I'm going to do that unless For something sure. stops me. So okay. my, my default is that. And what, what might stop you? Uh, well, if I can only get five horns of plenty, because some yeah. other jerkbag got too many. Yeah, so there's that, <laughs> and there's also, like, some other jerkbag has a bunch of gains, and, like, you're leaving piles low, and he might pile you out. Or the jerk bag took all the draw and I can't draw at all. Yes. You know, just being right. contested and having to worry about the game ending. Yeah, so it sounds like we're transitioning into real games of Dominion that we're <laughs> going to be talking about. How this how this turns to actually play out, which is uh, mostly we talk about now where you're being mirrored in the Horn of Plenty mega turn. Or just really in general on a real board where you're like yeah, being contested for things. Things you might need of, to react to. A lot of this is just applicable to a lot of games of Dominion. Yeah. And isn't necessarily horn specific. Which sure. fine. Yeah. But yeah. So um a lot of what we've gone over already still holds up. You do still want to thin. Uh you do still want to draw and get horns, and those horns are probably destined to gain provinces someday if you're gonna win it all. Uh, but I want to come back to the Mega Turn episode we did and uh, remember the three spuds of the Mega Turn. Mm. Speed, splits, sp first player. Oh, those are the memories, man. Yeah. Hashtag memories. So remember I said you want to you wanna maybe take your first turn, your first horn a little uh, early, and that's good either way. Yeah. Um, 
in the original case where you're not being contested, that's just because it's a more efficient way to build. But in the uh, case where you're being mirrored, you've got a split to worry about. The Horn of Plenties are probably going to run out if you're both going for them, and um, probably only one of you is going to get eight Horns of Plenty. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you, let's say uh, you know you, you cash in and you get eight Provence on your turn, trash your Horns, and then on my fleet turn, okay, I can get all the uh, Horns from the trash. H- hang on, Adam, Adam, Adam. Uh, we have a professional to be handling this. Here comes Horn of Plenty's tail, hopping down the edge case trail with wandering winder as his guide. This segment is odd, I guess, but you should expect no less. It's sure to be a wild ride. What is Horn of Plenty? It is a card. It's a treasure. It's a synonym for an expansion. It's a way of being... No, it isn't. It's a really bad, terrible double entendre. Double entendre. How do the Brits say that? It's so cool. Man, Brits are awesome. Anyway, uh, Horn Plenty is a gainer, and it's a gainer with which you normally can't do gain and play, but as you might have expected, given that this is edge-cased, with wandering winder... There are exceptions. So first of all, you got Villa. Villa is a card you can do like, oh, I'm going to play my treasures. I'm going to buy some stuff. I'm going to gain some stuff with Horn of Plenty. Um, not in that order because you got to gain the stuff before you buy. You're going to gain some stuff with Horn of Plenty. And then maybe you gain a Villa with the Horn of Plenty or maybe you just buy a Villa. And then boom, you're back in your action phase. You can draw more cards. You can... This is like pretty normal for Villa, but it's pretty extraordinary for the game in general. You can then draw those cards that you gain with your Horns of Plenty, keep going, play them in the same turn. That is a combination, a wombination, an edge case for edge cased. You also got Black Market, right? You play Black Market, you play some other treasures, you played something so you still have actions left after this, probably. Um, You play some treasures, and you play your Horns of Plenty, because you can play treasures for black market, even though it's still your action phase, you gain cards from that Horn of Plenty during your black market thing. You finish the black market thing. Those cards you've gained are now in your discard pile. So you can draw more cards, shuffle your deck, draw those cards, boom, bing, bang, boom, there you go. Um, you can do the same thing with Storyteller. It's probably even better. You can even, like, you know, Storyteller, and then I'm going to play a Copper, and then I'm going to play two Horns of Plenty. I'm going to gain two things. And then, because I've already drawn my deck before I played the Storyteller... I'm going to draw the two things that I gained with the Horn of Plenties I played with the Storyteller, and then you can play them. Boom, there you go. It's a great combo. Uh, there's also other things that, even though it's not your action phase, uh, you, you, can, you can play other cards that you've gained um, because they're treasures, which you can still play, or because they're knights you can play after your buy phase, but treasures which you can still play during your action phase. So Venture is a card which you can use this way. So... Venture, you play your Horn of Plenty, you gain another card, has to be a treasure, so let's say you gain, I don't know, another Horn of Plenty, and then boom, you play Venture, it cascades into that Horn of Plenty because you've drawn your deck and it's the only card in your discard pile, so you go in and find that Horn of Plenty, you play that Horn of Plenty off your Venture and you gain more stuff. That is a combination, a wombination, an edge case for this segment. 
Um, there's other ways of doing this. It's capitalism. Projects open up new ways. So capitalism turns a bunch of stuff into treasures. So you can use your horn of plenty to gain one of them, and then gain play one of your other treasures that draws cards. For instance, like a peddler, which is now a treasure because capitalism's on the board, um, and draw the card that you gained, and then play that if it's you know now a treasure or because of capitalism, or it was already a treasure, or uh, you know it's a night card. You can go to your night phase and, and do that. Innovation, innovation is um, another project. And, you know, it, it doesn't turn things into treasures or whatever, but the, if it's the first action you've gained this turn, then, you know, you can, you can immediately play it because that's what, that's what innovation does. Yeah. Um, what else is there with Horn of Plenty? There's getting enough unique cards, messing with the number of unique cards, right? Ruined Village OP. I mean, ruins in general, they're likely to have at least a few different ones, so that helps you get your your count up for Horn of Plenty if you're somehow struggling for card to can actually be played because you have like five green cards in the kingdom, seven green cards in the kingdom or something. You can't play those um, uh, or you can't have them in play. There's night cards or whatever. Right? You can't have them in play for Horn of Plenty. Uh, ruins are there for you, man. Um, too bad spoils don't work. So like Marauder, that's not a combination. You can't have spoils in play. Um, so that's that's sad. But anyway, yeah. Ruin Village, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, if you want to get really fancy, if you bonfire away your stuff, you've bought bonfires, so you can't play treasures anymore. So you would think that isn't going to affect your unique count for Horn of Plenty. But if you buy bonfire and then buy villa, you can go back to your action phase, after which you can then uh, you know, go back to your buy phase and play more treasures. So you can play Horn of Plenty this way, and it messes with the number of uniques you have in play. Unfortunately, it always reduces the number of uniques you can have in play, which is somehow by an edge case for edge case with Wandering Winder, uh, this edge case actually can't have any use at all, at least given the current rules. And, and like even for possession, it doesn't ever help you to have fewer options because you could always have gained the cheaper stuff anyway. It's not an exact. Um, but that's a very convoluted scenario that can come up. Eh, eh. Um, there's also uh, a thing about Horn of Plenty where you can't get green cards and stay in your deck very well, um, usually. But there is this card called Border Village, and you can use the Horn of Plenty to gain a Border Village, use the Border Village to gain a green card, and you've then circumvented uh, the restriction on, on having to trash the thing when you gain a green card, because you're technically not getting a green card with the Horn of Plenty, you're getting the Border Village with the Horn of Plenty, you're getting a green card with the Border Village. So it's like an extra step, but you know you don't have to you don't have to trash the thing. Um, there's also some ordering considerations, right? So crown isn't really an ordering consideration. Like you're, you're just gonna you're just gonna crown the the Horn of Plenty like every time. You're not gonna like I need to hold the crown. It's always better to play the crown first, basically, right? Um, but you know, uh, sometimes you want to hold the crown to your to your buy phase so that you can crown a Horn of Plenty because it's a super high value treasure to crown. Um, there's bank. Uh, so sometimes you want to play your bank first and then your Horn of Plenty because it ups your unique count. So that's a, a thing that you might want to do sometimes. Sometimes you might want to play your Horn of Plenty first and then your bank because that ups your treasure count. Um, if you have a lot of banks and, and Horns of Plenty, uh, you might want to play one bank and then all your Horns of Plenty and then more banks because um, that way you have the bank for your uniques and then the Horns of Plenty see the bank in play, 
um, but the other subsequent banks see the horns of plenty. Well, like just work out the math, right? Um, and then the weird one is counterfeit. So counterfeit, you play the thing twice and then trash it. So you would think, oh, that doesn't affect the number of uniques I have in play. But it might if the first time you played the thing off your counterfeit. So like I counterfeit a horn of plenty and then I get a province off the first one. Then it will get trashed from getting the province by the time you play the set. The second time, we can you do play it again, but it's not in play anymore. So if that was your eighth unique, that Horn of Plenty, you now only have seven. You can't gain another province. So watch out for that. That has and does come up. It's weird, right? Um, so counterfeiting Horn of Plenty because it's like it's something you want to do, right? If you could. And if you can counterfeit the Horn of Plenty, it's like the counterfeit was a good card earlier because it thinned you down. Now it's still a good card because it doubles your payload. It's great. Like, Crown is also great with Horn of Plenty for similar reasons. But yeah, anyway. Um, uh, then we have cases where you're using the uh, having to trash it because you gained a green card thing to your advantage, right? There's ways that it, that can actually be advantageous to you. One, like, you just don't want Horns of Plenty in your deck. But that's, like, super rare. It never comes up, because why'd you get a Horn of Plenty to start with in that case? So we could basically throw that one out. But um, maybe you can you can gain the uh, the thing back from your graveyard somehow. Like, there's a Grave Robber, and so you gain a province with it, you trash the Horn of Plenty, and then you can use your, your Grave Robber uh, to, to gain it back from the trash, because you've gone back to your action phase or something, or you're going to have it for the next turn, or... Or something like that. I don't know. Like, it, it can come up. Or, or like, a, a, a treasurer can gain it back, right? Um, so that's that's something you can do. Again, this is, like, some weird phase stuff. But, like, if you've got one of the other edge cases we talked about before where you can play other stuff after it, this can come up. Um, maybe you want something to be in the trash because your opponent has, like, a rogue and you want them to not attack you. So um, there you're sticking something in the trash so they can't attack you with their rogue anymore they have to gain the horn of plenty instead i don't know why that would come up but it could um market square right you 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 have a market square in your hand you horn of plenty you gain a province or an estate or whatever you trash the horn of plenty you can then react your market square because you've trashed a card you can gain that gold Uh, i don't really know what deck this is coming up in but it it could come up i I guess um and then there's priests it's the ultimate edge case because uh Right? Normally, Horn of Plenty is a treasure that doesn't make money for you. Um, so this is an edge case in two ways, right? It's an edge case where trashing it can be good because it makes money for you now, and where it makes money for you, which it normally doesn't, with being a treasure, right? So it's like a, a double whammy edge case. Uh, so priest, like uh, it lets you, it lets you make money if you have a priest in play. It lets you make money from from your Horn of Plenty. So there you go. Um, and then the last weird edge casey thing is Mandarin. So with Mandarin, you've got this on gain, where when you gain a Mandarin, you put all the treasures in you, in, you have in play on top of your deck in any order. So you can get to this thing where you have this weird kind of golden deck, where you have four other treasures besides the Horn of Plenty that are differently named. You play those, you play the Horn of Plenty, you gain a Mandarin, and then you can buy something. So you like buy a province, or if it's your fourth treasure is a platinum, you buy a colony or something. And then you have these same five treasures on top of your deck, so that's going to be your hand next turn. And so you can repeat this uh, until the game is over, the Mandarins run out. Um, It's super rare for this to come up, and even rarer for it to be good, right? You have to have Mandarin on the board, you have to have Horn of Plenty on the board, you have to have some other treasure on the board, 
which brings you to an amount of money which is good enough for you and doesn't trash the stuff. So like counterfeit doesn't really work. Um, talisman doesn't really work. Quarry doesn't really work, right? It has to make enough money. Um, so there's, there's not that many treasures that do this, but stash is one of them. Note that stash is one of them. Um, so it's, it's pretty rare that it even can come up because we're talking about like a three-card combo. And yeah, the third card can be one of a few things, but not all that many. Um, although platinum being one does increase it somewhat. Um, and then it has to be good, right? By the time you get that to be set up, you're getting one province a turn. Hooray, or a colony a turn? Like, and you could do that repeatedly, but is that even good? Like, often Horn Plenty's on the board, and if you were able to line this stuff up, there's probably some kind of draw manipulation, so probably you could have done something else that was that was better, usually. Um, also, like, Fultz Hard discard attacks, it's not a good strategy, but it's something people talk about, and it does come up, like, again, not never. But I want to point out one last thing, which is, with the Mandarin thing and the Venture thing, if you combine those together, you can say, okay, it doesn't even have to be this same Mandarin thing, but like you gain a Mandarin with your Horn of Plenty. You stick all your treasures back on top of your deck. You stick the Horn of Plenty on top top. Then you play a Venture, and you play the same Horn of Plenty. And then you gain another Mandarin. And then you put that Venture and the... Horn of Plenty on top of your deck. So then you play another venture, which then plays that venture again, which then plays that Horn of Plenty again, which then gains another Mandarin. You stick the two ventures and the Horn of Plenty on top of your deck. You end up playing your ventures a bunch of times. You play your Horn of Plenty a bunch of times. You gain out the piles, and it's this grand thing, which is not very good at all, because you had to have a bunch of ventures in your deck. And why did you want to do that? Like, maybe you wanted one for the unique, but, like, why did you do this to start with? But it's really funny and cool, and you get to play the same card many times in the same turn, which is normally really hard to do. This has been Edge Cased with Wandering Winter, and I hope you enjoyed the segment. I feel better now. Do you feel better? Yeah, I feel. I always feel yeah. better. I, I like uh, Edge Cased with Wandering Winter is uh, kind of like the icing on the cake of this podcast, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I could eat a whole bowl full of cake. Yeah. But why would I do that unless there's icing on it? I could eat a whole bowl full of icing. <laughs> I bet you could. Yeah, so... Um, anyway, so... Uh, yeah, we, we talked about like being contested on those Horn of Plenties. Uh, both of you probably aren't going to get eight. Both of you could get five. But like we just talked about, in a deck where the main payload is Horn of Plenty, getting five provinces a lot of the time just won't cut it. Because you're like... A lot of the time, uh, cashing in on a Horn of Plenty deck, depending on what else is going on, is tantamount to saying, okay, I'm done. Because your deck just stops doing stuff. So, like, if your opponent has infinite time, they can, like, if they have enough VP literally available, they might be able to just close it out on you. Sure, I mean, at at the very worst, they can use their horns to gain other forms of payload. Yeah. now they have something else to do, right? So, So if you build just a unilateral deck that only plays horn and that's the only thing it can do... You know, yeah. Right. Now I'm gonna say six provinces is usually enough because that only leaves two for your opponent. But maybe you uh, have been doing some arithmetic in your head, and you have been like, "Well, wait. If my opponent gets six horn of plenty, I can only only one of you can get six horn of plenty." Yeah. Dang it. So uh, yeah, that's like maybe you take horn of plenty even earlier 
in the mirror just because it's important to get enough of them for your duck to do what it needs to do, which is province effectively using horns. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd also say that the other payload in the kingdom uh, tends to determine how important that dynamic is. Um, like, we talked about uh, how in, especially in a mirror, but maybe even not, like, you're, you're usually going to have other payload alongside your Horn of Plenty. And the Horn of Plenty uh, becomes less about, like, this is my game plan and I'm going to get all the provinces with my horns, and more, like, I'm going to use my other... I'm going to be getting the Horn of Plenties to be able to threaten provinces, but I'm going to be using my other payload to be maybe scoring points so I can't be piled out on, maybe not, but uh, really just building a good deck that does stuff and having these Horn of Plenties in my back pocket to threaten provinces if I can close the game out with it. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of, I mean, how much that comes down to is like, uh, you know, even in a Horn of Plenty mirror, uh, a lot of the time you cash in on your horns um, and then you pivot into a big money deck just to finish it off, right? So, like, uh, I mean, that can happen, sure. That can happen with a lot of decks that end up being worse than big money when they're contested. Yeah, right. So, like, knowing um, when a good time to cash in on your horns is, like, a really important skill for these for these boards. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yes. I agree. Yeah. Excellent commentary. Uh, so, you know, how, how early do you want to cash in? Um, again, I just want to take you back to uh, whenever you're thinking about anything but a forced win, just really visualize what does that do to your deck, and also what does that do to the VP count. Have a plan for actually winning the game from there. Yep. So, uh, yeah. How, how good are duchies is really the, <laughs> what that boils down to normally. Duchies are okay. Is, is, are duchies viable to have in the deck at all? They give you three points. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's let's talk about a little bit more uh, support for Horn. Yeah, let's do we that. Talk about deck control and draw. Uh, what else can support Horn? Um, well, there's some innate support that could be built into your deck from the very start of the game, right? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Those heirlooms? There's heirlooms, and there's also shelters. Oh! Mostly heirlooms. Yeah, because yeah, Necropolis, yeah. But mostly heirlooms, yeah. Oh, that's so that's so hot. Yeah, because really the heirlooms help because they can actually be good cards to play. Um, but what, Necropolis is fine. It can be, sure. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> uh, also, uh, cost reduction? Uh, yeah, yeah, so, for like, sure. So, like, a lot of times I need uh, eight uniques, right? But if one of those uniques is highway... I can play lots of highways, and highway kind of works more than once. Yeah. Right? I can play six highways, and I can play uh, my copper and my horn, and now I've got my eight uniques, effectively. Yeah, right, right. Because the province only costs two. Wait a second. I don't need the copper, even. Yeah. Got right. Highway and horn, my two uniques, six highways, boom, good to go. Right? So, yeah. uh, cost reduction is uh, it's actually great. It helps uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. It, so, also, it also helps your horns... It also helps you want to take horns earlier, because mm, yeah. you can more quickly be gaining fibers with your horns. And, I mean, this isn't groundbreaking. I mean, most gainers have synergy with cost reduction, right? Yeah. Iron, Ironworks Highway is a pretty good by itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a non-terminal gainer, and it works with the, the cost reduction. But, you know, horn just is a little bit different of an interaction. Still pretty great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, those, those aside from... Mm. 
the deck controller, I would say, the, the most poignant forms of support for Horn of Plenty. Uh, what about uh, payloads? Yeah, okay, so I'm looking for... Really, if I'm thinking about how to best support my horns... Um, I mean, the horn just plays nice with other payloads. Yeah, there's, like, most other payload. Like, attacks are what come to mind, because, like, when I'm thinking about what's good in a horn deck, I'm thinking about shutting down my opponent's horn deck. <laughs> okay, because, sure. like, I mean, when, that's when what I'm looking, thinking about. When we're looking things to shut down the horn deck, though, I mean, uh, in terms of payload, like, what other payloads would I consider... Uh, instead of Horn of Plenty, or... Okay, that's maybe... hard to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Horn is a really good payload. If I can if I can support it, then I, that's usually the payload I want, with only a couple of exceptions. Yeah. So first, I mean, the obvious is, well, I can't draw enough to support it. Okay, okay great, but let's say you can't. When there's, when there's very limited or bad draw, this is usually, like, the only time where I'm going to say, okay, Horn is limited enough by this that it's not worth going for. But yeah. when we're looking at what payload to go for instead of horn, there aren't very many examples. There are some, but the thing is, like, usually, even when we're talking about something like goons, where it's like the one of the best payloads in the game, um, a lot of the time I'm willing to put horns in that deck just because, again, it's like a good support piece, even for those other payloads. Yeah. So, so horn is more of a gainer in this, in the less like, canonical sense, less right? end game payload, more like. Mid-game payload. That yeah, so so goons can outscore Horn of Plenty in some cases, which yeah. uh, which kind of sets goons apart as like, oh, if there's goons here, uh, sure, I might consider or, that as like my main source of payload. Or groundskeeper, even we could talk about that too. But groundskeeper, even more so, like I really want horns in this deck because I'm gonna it's gonna gain groundskeepers. Yeah, all those other VP tokeny things like yeah. triumph and groundskeeper and stuff. Like, yeah, you can get a lot of points and maybe outscore the horns. But Horn, uh, I mean, that you can play a super integral part in those decks. I mean, Horn gains cards, which is what Triumph wants to do. So there's an yeah. obvious synergy there. And then similarly with Groundskeeper, yeah. like, Horn can gain me lots of Groundskeepers, and then when I cash in, I get a buttload of VP tokens, right? Sure. So I can just still increase my point ceiling while using Horn for its other things. So, I mean, these are other payloads that certainly play nicely along with Horn. Yeah, uh, and and maybe relevant in the terms of outscoring horns, uh, and then there's also like colonies. Maybe maybe you can outscore horns yeah. with with colonies, and maybe but you can't get up to eleven uniques, but you can get up to eight. I would say like um, that. That's true when colonies are are easily accessible. But I would say the the opposite is more often true, where you end up ignoring the colonies because horns can drain the provinces so quickly. Sure, you do have Play, to compete with the yeah. speed of whatever Megaturn can uh, focus down eight horns of plenty, or contest enough horns yes. so that they can't just gain them all in one swell foop. Yeah, exactly. Did you like that? Yeah, I, I did. had a ninety-year-old math teacher in yeah. college that would say swell foop. Um, so he would uh, also say coup de grace, which is where you run over your opponent with a power lawnmower. Anyway, continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> other forms of payload. Yeah. So uh, th other things that may uh, push you away from the horn. Um, the uh, the big one in my mind are different kinds of attacks, and the thing is that like these attacks are not so much saying like I don't get horns eventually because the attacks are so good. They're more like the attacks are a priority to get on top of. So because yeah. my deck won't function if I don't. So we mentioned this earlier. Like thinning yeah. and junking are a higher priority than gainers. Thinning so, like, and yeah, junking are get up the there. Um, 
and like yeah a, a lot of the time like in a, a, when the dust is clearing after those attacks i'm still getting horns oh, yeah, but sure. like it was just that like you know in the meantime i have this other thing that demands my attention yeah and we also talked about you know draw in terms of draw is there enough draw yeah. to support horns and you know a discard attack is a negative effect on your draw so you know that counts against the draw resources of course and the other one i talk about is knights uh, because, uh, like, guess, sure, yeah. the knights are, are a thing that, like, you know, the knights can be trashing the horns that you get anyway, and, like, the knight's war is a thing, and when the knight's war is a thing, it demands your attention, so... Yeah, but then yeah. when the when the knights are over, you know, maybe you go for horns, yeah. maybe, or maybe the game's over, which we already talked about, hey, sure. the game's over, maybe the horns aren't gaining you probably, sure. Uh, uh, the other, the only other thing I would say is uh, when there are throne room variants out, mm-hmm. like, uh, throne room, and uh, yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good uh, throne room variant. Nice. Yeah, and King's Court. Uh, maybe you want a kind of payload that can be multiplied by those instead of the horn. Yeah, yeah. and maybe so... you don't have crown that can double the horns instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> the only other time I'd say is like there's some like really fast province rush that it can end the oh, game well, yeah, sure. even like faster than the horn. Well, there's the combo decks. Like, there's the, like, crazy stuff like Guildhall Masterpiece and stuff like that. Well, come on. We were going to say Hunting Grounds Lurker because it's way Lur- better. Lurker, Hunting Grounds, And I just like put a, an article on the blog about Hunting Grounds Lurker. Link in the description. Great. You can check out below. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, sometimes stuff that's not even uh, that fast can be faster than the horns. Like, I'm, if I'm looking at stuff like maybe, like, Butcher plus some support or some kind of, like, donate money strategy is uh, fast and consistent enough to compete. Like, it's not all the time, but, you know, I mean, if these money things are so fast, you evaluate which one has better support, this this fast money thing or this horn thing, and maybe I can outrace the mega turn. I don't know, maybe, sure, whatever. Sounds yeah. good. Nice. Horn of Plenty. Yeah. We did it. Uh, so finally, as always, we're going to have a kingdom. Yeah. Uh, that's gonna have Horn of Plenty in it. And we're gonna play it. It does. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll read that. Nice. Um, so the cards we have in it are Patrician. Of course, Emporium is underneath that. Familiar. Farmer's Market. Mining Village. Priest. Criped. Grave Robber. Horn of Plenty. Hunting Party. Puka. And we have the events... Ta- the event tax and the landmark aqueduct. Now, uh, because again we have Puka, one of our coppers is replaced with cursed gold. Uh, once more for our audio-only listeners, we have Patrician with Emporium, Familiar, Farmers Marquette, Mountain Village, Priest, Crypt, Grave Robber, Horn of Plenty, Hunting Party, Puka. And we have the event Tax and the Landmark Aqueduct. And, because we have Puka, one of our coppers is replaced with Cursed Gold. Alright, Horn of Plenty. Yay or nay? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think, it's yeah, I don't think it's... the best payload here. Yeah, payload uh, for sure, Horn of Plenty. I think you probably... The only other, like, good options for payload would be uh, Farmer's Markets and Grave Robbers. Yep. And I do think you're probably getting one or two Grave Robbers... But uh, it's not, like, that kind of board where, oh, the best thing I can do is trash five cost to Grave Robber. No. Um, yeah, I can play Horn of Plenty. Yeah, I can and play that's Horn really of Plenty. Great. And that's really good. But the Grave Robbers are interesting because they can, like, uh, be gaining back the horns if you do cash in early. Woo! 
I'm not saying like that means you do it, but like you probably have a little more like flexible timing on when to start greening because the grave robbers can get the horns back. Uh, that I could see that maybe mattering in a mirror, maybe. Yeah, I mean, get those aqueduct points, raw. Yeah, that's not nothing. I mean, like having points in a horn game uh, is good because there's a lot of pile pressure. Having points in most games is good. Yeah. We yeah. did it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we're in the post-VP era of Dominion. You're right. Uh, we're um, still stuck back in the old days. So I think the crunchier question here is, yeah. is familiar, yay or nay. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, and uh, it doesn't seem clear. Because the thing is, like, tax matters a lot. Yeah, tax and cursed gold, <laughs> I think, throw a lot of wrenches into this. Well, the cursed gold removes a wrench, but is it... The cursed gold doesn't throw a wrench into the familiar, I don't think. Well, I mean, if... Uh, I, I'm thinking, like, oh, if I'm going to open with a potion, I have to play my Cursed Gold. Oh, like, yeah. that's a wrench. <laughs> and well, it also makes me not want to open potion. That, I mean, that's any card that's, like, not two or three cost, right? So, like, that's uh, not just... Sometimes yeah, it can okay. happen, yeah, and but it like, sucks. But the, I might I might pop the Cursed Gold open with a priest or something. Yeah, the, the big thing for bad. me is, is the... Is the the tax, the debt on top of the potion pile. Because, like, if one of us gets a potion, like... I can tax the familiars! You can tax the familiars, but also you've got the debt, and it, like, makes it kind of just a shaky prospect, because... It's already sus to try and hit three potion. And, like, what are you gonna (laughs) open with your potion to help you hit three potion? Silver? Good luck doing that with tax on the board if you're opening. Like, that's just not gonna frickin' happen. So, and in the meantime, Priest is also something yeah, that Yeah, you have to says, compare it to putting one of the best cards to open with on yeah. a 4-3 into your deck. And I'm not saying that, like, Priest, because it's trashing, counters familiar, because every curse they have to trash is something else they didn't trash, but, um... But if I buy a Priest, I'm gonna get value out of it when I play it. If I buy a Potion, I'm rolling the dice, man. Yeah. It feels and, so bad, like, if you priest, miss three Potion, you're so screwed. It's, you're so far behind. It, you're you're quite far behind if that happens. Yeah, yeah it feels sure. so bad. And like, I've got I've got hunting party to play my priest a lot more often. Yeah, and hunting party does not do as amazing of stuff for familiar because it's harder to hit five with a potion in your deck. The hunting yeah. party can find your potion once on hands where you don't hit the three potion. Now, once you've got a familiar or two in the deck, the hunting party becomes really good because you can it's, play the familiar and then seek another familiar. It's good, but it's still not as good as it is for priest. Yeah. Because yeah. the hunting party is going to focus down my priest more than the hunting party will focus down the familiar because it has that extra potion to trip over. And the yeah. priest is going to be thinning out, you know, probably my starting estates, which is one less thing for it to trip over. For sure. And it yeah. helps me line up my priest with the things I want to trash. I mean, these are reasons why Hunting Party is a good card. These are Hunting all... Party, Horn of Plenty, hashtag synergy. Yeah, there is synergy there. They're from the same set. Who nice. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, um, these are all the marks we have against Familiar. At the same time, we're still thinking about it. Uh, I think it's close. Be- I, I'm and gonna... I, I'm I'm, I'm one of the priest. I want to open with the priest. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah. I'm not gonna dis- I'm not gonna just disagree for the sake of disagreement this time. Uh, even though last time I did that and stumbled on a build that was like decent, I'm not gonna say that this time. I actually don't think that the familiar is um, is good enough to go for. Even though, I mean, if you do go for it, I think you go for it a little later. Yeah, um, if my opponent doesn't get a priest. Well, I'm oh. probably going to punish them. Well, yeah, if your opponent doesn't get a priest, you're probably going to win no matter what you do. But, um, yeah. but like, 
Uh, I'm gonna say, like, if my, you know, I might get the familiar later on, partially because it's two more uniques I get to have in play. Uh, I've got the potion, and that's not a reason to do it. It's more like I can justify having the potion in the deck a little more because at least oh, it's a yeah. unique card that feeds my horns a little faster. Yeah, so we we should do that exercise of like, what are your eight uniques? You've got a oh. uh, horn and hunting party are biggins. Right? Yeah, uh, maybe um, maybe a crypt that's I really good think, for staying in play. I think I'm probably getting a puka. Um, uh, sure, a, a mountain village puka pair seems pretty good. Yeah, I so we're up to like wonder. five or six, and that's not counting other treasures. So yeah, you can definitely huh, do it. I here. might actually be opening puka now that I think about it, because I keep forgetting the cursed gold will let me do that if I want to. Uh, so like, if okay. I can open puka and priest, I'm doing that. But I don't know if that's gonna. If that's I would open it. hunting party priest before I open puka priest. I mean, opening with a puka like the puka is not a bad card. Like it's yeah, but I don't like opening with it all that much. Because either I'm giving up priest to yeah. open puka, which I don't uh, like. This is all true. Or I'm getting it with the po- the priest, in which case it's... I feel like the hunting party is probably better. Okay, yeah, you've kind of convinced me on that. I, I am getting okay, sure, okay. You've you've convinced me puka is not the optimal opener. Also, I... in the case where it's like I open, also with debt, it's very rare that you'll get that chance. Yeah, that's true too. But also, like, let's say I can get my priest uh, without playing the curse gold. Yeah. Uh, then I'm, I'm looking at, like, a $2 hand, and let's say I magically don't have a debt, which I totally will, and I'm not going to play the Curse Gold, and I'm going to buy nothing, right? But now I'm looking at... I'm still looking at, like, putting a Curse in my deck along with this Puka, and, like, that that doesn't seem fantastic, right? Yeah, I know. Okay. So, yeah, I think, I think you're right that I think you're not opening with Puka, but you will probably get it later, and I think yeah. you're not opening with uh, Potion uh, and Slash Familiar, but you might get it later. Maybe. Not, I wanna... But I'm, I'm not as sold on that as being as likely, yeah. Mm, yeah, but you still very well might do it if it's early enough. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah, okay, so... Um, from there, uh, you're wanting to get... You know, I think first five is, is Hunting Party, and second five is probably Hunting Party... Um, but from there, on the third five, depending where you are, I could see taking the horn. Sure. Yeah. I also think that uh, second five might be horn, and there oh, it might also be puka. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, I do know you work puka. It depends. Uh, yeah, it depends I on mean, I want it. horns to gain me a whole bunch of this stuff. I mean, yeah. the, the stuff it's going to gain me along the way is it's, all the hunting parties. It's pretty easy to be getting these horns gaining fibers which is why like taking an early horn here is is quite good as it often is yeah uh, because it can be gaining deck control cards that help you draw draw your horns and and play them yeah and if i thinned some estates with my priests i feel a little bit better about that i mean i probably have put either a patrician or silver in the deck at some point so i feel pretty good about getting this thing up to four or five so i think it's going to be kind of crucial um to be getting those but also to have a grave robber uh because I'm not as sold on the grave robber as you. Okay, like I could see Sorry. situations where it's good, but I, like I'm not gonna get it unless that situation's already in front of me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna be pretty good because um, partially, I'm assuming these horns are gonna be contested, right? I mean, if, it, and, if we're gonna contest horns, I feel like the split that's really going to decide things is the hunting party split. Um, it's just such a better source of draw than. Puka plus Mountain Village. 
Yeah, but it's not the only source of draw. It's not and the only source of draw, even but, like... Patrician Emporium is... It's it's crappy, but Patrician Emporium is even a source of draw. And... Dare I say a crypt? Here's the thing. Well, no, that's... Oh, we bad. got that crypt puka synergy. Hashtag synergy. Bad. I was thinking, like, you I think Hunting Party's just of... far better. I mean, Hunting Party is the premium source of draw here. I'm not... If arguing. I get seven Hunting Parties, I feel like I can just win. Well, even if I lose the Horn Split. It's, it depends on a lot, but I think, like, yeah, Hunting Party split is important, but I don't think it's so important that, like, a 6-4 is, like, death. I right. Think, like, uh, a 7-3 Hunting Party split is, is a pretty bad spot to be in yeah. for the three guy. Um, but, yeah, okay. So, I think beyond that, the, the Horn of Plenty split does kind of matter. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. And in that case, I think a Grave Robber too definitely helps a lot. And also, maybe you are popping your horns early and gaining them back with Grave Robber. Maybe. I'm just going to say I think that's narrow. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's narrow. Not that it, not that it matters. I mean, it's going to be on my radar, yeah. and maybe I'll do it. Well, uh, for the record, there is theoretical Boundless VP here. Well, oh, Farmer's Market and Grave Robber. Oh, no. Woo! I wasn't even... Yeah, there's that too, but... But what? But what? it's it also involves grave oh, robber. Oh, emporium, 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 grave robber! Ah. You can be gaining. Yeah, your grave robbers can get you. Two oh, so it's important to, to be able to end the game. Yeah. So you you nice. you can't. I mean, I don't think that's actually that great because like did it takes a you need it's not infinite very, time to make that. Work. Yeah, you're yeah. you're diddling around and like yo-yoing. <laughs> I actually have won a game doing uh, the grave robber emporium thing, but it was like on ladder and it was a random board and there was like not a lot going on. Um, but like, it's it's not good. <laughs> so it's slow. It's not that much VP. It takes a lot of village support, but it is there. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Let us know what you think. Do you go for familiar? Are you thinking about a crypt? I'm not. I'm kind of not. Yes, I don't think I'm kind of not not thinking about the crypt. I don't think it's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe you are, and you can let us know. You can go to adamhorton.com. There's forums, Discord server link. Yep. Uh, you can get our contact information. You can let us know what you think about this kingdom podcast, about Edge Case with Wandering Winder. Which of Adam's pets is your favorite one? Yeah. You can wish me a happy birthday if you want to. Yeah. But don't bother. Jeez, I'm not worth it. He is Here on location at Starbucks. Yeah. You can see the sign. Uh, maybe they don't have these in your area, but uh, we we went, we drove to the Starbucks, and they have a clover machine, and, and we got a coffee yeah. that has a clover. This is the Starbucks Reserve. It's um, from Papua New Guinea. Probably. And, and then it also had some other words, and one of the words was estate, yeah. which is dominion related, and that's why we got it. Well, that's also that's one reason. But you also uh, part of the reason we're here getting this coffee is you asked me to introduce you to coffee in a particular way. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I want a I want a cup of black coffee where I can drink it, and if I don't like it, then I don't like black coffee. And, uh, and this so is we, it. And we had to go to a particular Starbucks because the one that I would recommend for that is the one. That we 
their clover machine, which is a uh, like multi-thousand-dollar machine that certain Starbuckses have, and they make special coffee that they'll only make in that machine. And it's it's really good if you are a black coffee drinker or if you're coffee snob. This is the coffee I'm gonna direct you to, and it's what I'm gonna direct Parker to as well. Yep. And he's done with his Cheerios. <laughs> All right, so I've been told I need to do the Aroma Dome. Yeah, I've never heard of that, but whatever. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm detecting some notes of hickory and green apple. Oh. And uh, also, it's uh, very nutty, like oh. uh, like a chicory nut. Nice. I don't know what those are. I don't know either. I just said words. Uh, oh, okay. It smells like coffee. Okay. Cool. I'm ready to drink the coffee now. Uh, All right. Is it is it good temperature? Am I ready? It's hot, so yeah. Okay. They told me to slurp it. I'm sorry if I sound like a yeah. d bag. Mm. It's extremely bitter because it's coffee. Well, it's pretty sweet as far as black coffee goes. Nice. Yeah. Oh, so once the bitterness calms down, what am I getting here? Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> um, bitterness. Uh, what Parker said. Oh man. Oh, this is really bitter. It helps if you hate yourself. Have you tried that? <laughs> no. Uh, hold on. Give me. Yeah, this might not. Give be me. Pretty give good. me just a second here. Um, just hold on. All right. No, no, no this is a different kind of selfie. This is more like a, I've given up and whatever. I'm not taking my pants off when public. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I'll drink a little bit more and see if it grows on me. The third slurp was actually more pleasant than the first. Yeah, you're starting to hate yourself. Yeah, where, it just takes a while. Yeah, know? like you really have to let it settle in. Like, when we started here, I thought I was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And now I think I'm just, as like, you know. top five greatest things ever. Yeah, and, you know, as we as we get to the bottom of the cup, maybe, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'll be down to where this is on the leaderboard. Yeah, that's not going to the podcast. All right, we can stop recording. <laughs>